Welcome to It Pays to Fear God. My name is Ewerewa Nomarin, and today's subject is captioned, Is Life Without End Possible? To many people, it is not, because science hasn't really found a way of explaining how life can really exist for eternity. Cells are obviously, and undeniably, the basic building blocks of life, so if cells can't continue living on forever and forever and forever, then life can't suddenly live on forever and forever and forever. Essentially, things were out over time. Pianos were out, lights were out, and humans were out. So, generally, eternal life goes against that, so many people just can't reason with that idea. But in this video, we're going to be looking at it biblically. Is it biblically possible? Can God make life eternal based on what has been said about him in the scriptures? So we're going to be examining that today so that at least in the biblical sense, we can see if eternal life is possible. Because remember, Christians are supposed to believe in what God can do, not what science proves God may be able to do. But before I really get into any of those things that we'll be talking about today, I just want to ask you a question that is not necessarily related to this subject, but is still very important nonetheless to God's purpose. And that question is, who are the apostles? What do you think their role is both in earth and in heaven? Answer that question or those questions in the comments section below. And after you've done so and watched this video, you can go check a few of our videos out that I've talked about the saints, such as Who Are the Saints, God's Call to Heaven, Rapture, and Will You Go to Heaven. So I'm going to be dividing everything that I'm going to talk about today pretty much into four, I guess, categories or things. The first three are going to be sort of evidences that eternal life is possible based on what the Bible has said. And then the last is going to be sort of a concluding part where we look at how that eternal world might look like based on what the Bible has described it to be. So let's start off with the fact that God can do anything with life. That idea of life, he can control it, he can manipulate it, he can do whatever he wants with it. He created life in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. Well, obviously prior to that, he made the life of animals and all those other creatures. But in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, he put the life in the very first human soul. He can wound people. He can heal people. He can make people alive. He can kill people. He said all of this in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 39, where he said, See now that I, even I am he. And there is no God with me. I kill, and I make alive. I wound, and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. And he really demonstrated how he could pretty much do whatever he wants with life. 
For example, he resurrected Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 28, from verses 1 to 10. He gave that power to Jesus Christ so that he could now resurrect people, such as Lazarus in John chapter 11. He also gave that power to Elijah so that he could resurrect the widow of Zarephath's son in 1 Kings chapter 17. And there are obviously many other examples of resurrection. The apostles did it and some others. Then he can also kill people like he did to Uzzah in 2 Samuel chapter 6 from verses 6 to 10. And in a vision to Ezekiel, he turned and like vast area of bones into an exceeding great army. That is Ezekiel chapter 37 from verses 1 to 14. It obviously has a spiritual meaning, but that the fact that that could even happen shows that God can do whatever he wants with life. And it was with that understanding that Jesus Christ said that everyone will resurrect eventually and those who will live eternally will go on while those who will not will go to everlasting damnation. In John chapter 5 and verses 28 and 29, Jesus Christ told us, Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming, into which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. He made Job's life endure in Job chapter 42 and verses 16 and 17. Job obviously wasn't a young man when his sufferings ended, and God added an extra 140 years to his life, so that, as Job chapter 42 verse 17 says, he was old and full of days. Then, another thing that helps us understand the fact that eternal life is possible is an understanding of sin and its consequences and how the world is going to be. Essentially, the only reason why we don't live eternally right now is because of sin. Because when you are sinful, you will eventually die. For the wages or consequences of sin is death. If we read Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Adam and Eve are the ancestors of every single person in this world, and they sinned in Genesis chapter 3 from verses 1 to 6. They were given a perfect life by God, but then they like canceled that out in a sense by accepting sin into their lives. And they gave birth to everyone else, and because of that, that sin passed on to everyone else as well. That's why David the Samish, who lived thousands of years after them, had said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. In Psalms chapter 51, verse 5. Therefore, as St. Paul told us that as one man sin entered into the world, Romans chapter 5, from verses 12 to 19, Jesus Christ came down and paid the ransom, as all Christians know and understand. He was a perfect soul, if read First Peter chapter 2, verse 22, and other places. And because of that, he was qualified to atone for that sin of Adam and Eve. Because, of course, he had a perfect life, and therefore that perfect life was equivalent to what was lost. That equivalence is very important in spiritual matters. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 21, and also Exodus chapter 21, from verses 22 to 25, specifically verse 25. And because he atoned for that sin, Hebrews chapter 2 and verses 14 and 15 
even makes an extension to say that Jesus Christ not only defeated sin, but he defeated death because sin causes death. Death is a consequence of sin. So when you atone for sin, then you automatically atone for death as well. So therefore, when the world is eventually reworked of its evils, then Jesus Christ's ransom sacrifice will purify those who will live in that world so that they will be sinless and they will not die and therefore they will live eternally. If this is complicated to understand, let's look at another consequence of sin, sickness. When Jesus Christ would heal people, sometimes he would say, I forgive you of your sins. Meaning that sin and sickness not only have a connection, but when you forgive people of their sins, then their sicknesses go away with it. Read Matthew chapter 9 from verses 1 to 8 because that's an example of when this happened. When you remove sin, then sickness just goes away with it. And that was why when God was talking about how the world will be in the future and how there won't be any sin, in Isaiah chapter 33 verse 24, he said, And the inhabitants shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. We can see the same connection between iniquity and sickness and how when one is removed, the other goes away as well. So then obviously, using this small example of sickness, you enlarge it to take it to death, to understand that when sin is removed, there will be no death, and therefore, people will live eternally. Then, one more piece of evidence that sort of proves that eternal life is possible is the fact that God can make things endure. He can make things last long. He can prolong things. He can make things go on for eternity. And there are many places and examples in the Bible that help us to understand this. David said in 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 29 in the New Living Translation that anytime God gives a blessing, it is an eternal blessing because when God pronounces something like that to someone, then he will also make sure that it fulfills and does not cease. If we read Isaiah chapter 55 and verses 10 and 11, chapter 14 verse 27, and also Daniel chapter 4 and verses 34 and 35. That was why when the Bible would talk about the kingdom of Israel and the dynasty of David, from time to time it would say that the dynasty of David would go on forever and forever and so on because God can make things endure. And if you want to understand this, just look at the nation of Israel. God made a promise to one man, Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12 from verses 1 to 3 and chapter 22 verse 17 that he would make a nation for Abraham, and there would be as the sand of the sea. They would populate the earth. All families of the earth would be blessed by it, and it would last forever. It would last for a really long time. And this has clearly fulfilled because even though the Jews went through a lot of things, obviously their capital city, Jerusalem, was destroyed twice in AD 70 and AD 135. And after that, they were dispersed. So then they went all over the world and so on. And yet, and don't forget the Holocaust too, where millions of Jews were killed. Even though they went through all of that, they still came back to their original land in 1948 and were established as a nation. Few nations in this world can really boast of that kind of history, especially over that long of a time, but 
the Israelites can certainly boast of that. And they can also boast that God was on their side because no nation can go through all of that and reestablish themselves if God is not on their side. Another thing that we can look at to prove that talks about how God can make things endure is the lives that people were living. Look, if you look at Genesis chapter 5 from verses 1 to 32 and chapter 11 from verses 10 to 32. We can see a compendium of people's lives. People were living 800 years, 900 years. Some people were getting married for 300 years, 400 years, 200 years. In our time, people get married at 20. That seems pretty normal, 20 to 30. But back then it was 200, 300. People were just living for so long. It just seems eternal to us, but to them, that was just generally normal life. And look at the other things in this world that are pretty much eternal to us. Look at the sun, all the generations, everything that's lived on this earth has came in to meet the sun, to see it, you know, to enjoy its warmth and so on. And they also perish with the sun still there. Same goes with the moon and everything else in the galaxy and space and the universe. Look at the trees too. The Bible talks about how trees are generally things that really live long. And you can see that some trees, they last a thousand years, maybe more. So many generations look at the same tree, sit under it, maybe eat the fruits thereof and so on. But the important thing to understand is that all these things are gone making things endure. He can make things last forever. But if you look at the woman of Zarephath once again in 1 Kings chapter 17 from verses 8 to 16, you can see that the cruise of oil and the bread that she was eating never faded out until everything went back to normal. The other families would have been suffering, of course, but she was able to have most likely three square meals a day and not worry about starving or any anything else like that. Jesus Christ also talked about how his bread his meat, his water, which represents, you know, his teachings generally, those things are also eternal because when you accept those things into your lives, you are satisfied for eternity. You don't need anything else to feel happy every day and eventually be prepared to live eternally. He said in John chapter 4, verse 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. He also said in John chapter 6, verse 27, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. It's because of all this that David the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 111, verse 3, His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. And we shouldn't forget the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God is one of the biggest examples of things enduring. The Bible has talked about how it's going to consume everything else in this world, all the other ideas, philosophies, kingdoms, etc., and it will stand on the earth forever. If we read Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, and David the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 145, verse 13, that thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. I hope everything that I have said in this video has come to help you understand the fact that 
Even though science might think that eternal life is not possible because they have no way of proving it in the Bible, it is indeed possible. Now, like I said in the beginning, before I conclude, I will just quickly look at what the Bible has said about how that world is going to be in the future. If you look at Isaiah chapter 65 from verses 17 to 25 and Revelation chapter 21 from verses 1 to 5, they give us a variety of details. Animals will be playing together generally and obviously humans will no more be intimidated by ferocious animals that are scary to us today. There will be peace, there will be harmony, people will not lust after things anymore, there won't be that agitation because everything people would want God will provide. If we desire chapter 65, verse 24. If we go to the Revelation account, it helps us to understand that there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, pain, etc. The list goes on and on. Because that world is going to work completely differently from the world that we are living in now. That's why the Bible said we are going to have a new heaven and a new earth. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 13, where St. Peter told us, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. It's important we understand that world is going to work completely differently. The difference in it extends to the fact that there will be no more war as well. He will break the bow and cut the spear in sunder, and he's going to burn the chariot in the fire, as David said in Psalms chapter 46, verse 9. What makes this world become poor in some areas and become so rich in some areas? What makes those differences, all the glory and the dishonor and so on, that is all going to end in that world because righteousness is going to prevail and righteousness creates peace. If we look at Isaiah chapter 32 and verses 17 and 18, it helps us to understand this. And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, and in sure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. And we shouldn't forget Hosea chapter 13 verse 14, because that was where God promised that ultimately there will be no more death, and therefore people will live eternally. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. The details to what that world will be in are actually a very fascinating and interesting study, which we might look into the Bible to understand in some detail in other videos that we'll make. But I just want you to understand that that world is not only going to work differently, but things are going to be eternal because there will be no more sin. And that is where I'm going to stop on discussing that subject is life without end possible. I hope that what I have said in this video has made you to understand the concept of eternal life in a more refined and biblical light. I just want to review what St. Paul said in Romans chapter 8 and verses 24 and 25 because it helps us to understand that topics like eternal life that might not seem so possible just yet, it is that hope that we have in it nonetheless that will save us in the end. And there he told us, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. If you have any questions about eternal life, any doubts that you might have had while watching this video, 
Drop them in the comment section below where we might be able to clarify any questions or doubts that you might have. Have a great day. And God bless you. Oh, one more thing. If you like what you heard today, feel free to share a message at https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Once again, that's https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Hope to hear your wonderful feedback.